on a message entitled, one word, peace. A message entitled, peace. And peace is something that we all need in our life. Most people today, and it's a sad testimony to say this, but most people today are more, I would say, unsettled. I'm trying to use a gentle word there. Unsettled, and uh, they're not really at peace. Uh, I used to say, I I think it's almost a... A comedian statement that people who come to church with a Walmart or Kmart smile on. They purchase it on the way in. And uh, there's a lot of turmoil going on in this world, as you know. Uh, the world gets seemingly worse, but it should not affect our peace. Uh, God is good. And uh, a miracle just happened. So, <laughs> let's smile. So, Basically, we, we, we come to this, almost this subservient attitude or placement in our life that we become subservient to our struggles and our, our difficulties than, more than we do subservient to the Lord. If we would learn to praise God through our hard times... And praise God through our struggles. And praise God through the times where it's just not going the way you had planned. You know, the Bible is very clear in the book of Proverbs that the, the plans of men are one way. But God's plans are the right way. And I'm paraphrasing that just to make it more understandable for this message. And I, and I find that when Jesus spoke this In John 14 and 27, he spoke something that was very unique to them because he was preparing them for his exit. Now, I will say this. His exit was powerful. His exit included him dying on the cross and carrying all our sins, even our sins of today. He rose on the third day alive in the bodily resurrection. He hangs out for 40 days, visiting his disciples. And, you know, Thomas goes through his thing, unless I can put my hand in your side, you know, all that stuff. You know, he kept on loving them even through, and they kept on giving him a hard time all the way to the end, believe me. You know, some way along the line, they would do something, you know. And, you know, Peter jumps off the boat and swims in because it's the Lord and, you know, and they have breakfast together. And, you know, it's just a unique time if you watch it. Then he goes up into heaven in the presence of nearly 500 witnesses. And angels say, don't worry, don't fret, don't be overly concerned. He's going to return the same way he left. So we look for the coming of the Lord. So in that gap of him leaving, he took care of business. I'm just trying to keep this simple. For you and I to get saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit, he took care of business. But we have to take care of business. We have to trust God. We have to worship him even though struggles come. And even though failures show up when we didn't want to fail. Failures actually make your successes feel a whole lot better. But there are times where we forget about this scripture here. 
He's preparing disciples that he's walked with for three and a half years, that he handpicked out of hundreds of people. He handpicked these disciples. I always fun with him when I talk to the Lord sometimes and when I'm in conversation with other people that I think that Jesus just wanted to give himself a hard time for three and a half years because of all the stuff that they would ask him and then you know send their mother sons of Zebedee's mother comes over and says I want my boys to sit real close to you in heaven you know I want them right up there and he said that's not up to me that's not up to me. That is, that's up to the Father. Are you with me so far? We're going someplace. John 14 and 27, he says this to their spirit, to their heart. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. And if you ever watched in the scripture, viewed in the scripture or embraced in the scripture, how Jesus lived, he lived in peace. Nothing shattered him. The only time that he got a little shattered was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying and he said, God, you know, maybe, maybe we can't do this. You know, this is too much. I mean, he's sweating drops of blood. He's, got it, he's in this travail and he's there. But he says, if it's your will, I'll do it. So he settles into the peace of God's will. And on the cross, he's at peace because he knows what he's about to do and what he's going to do, and he did do it. He leaves peace with them. He says, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. You know, the world only gives us peace when it comes down to material things. Money, relationships, friendships. I can go down a list, but those are the three major things that kind of happen in our life where we look for friends, we look to make money, and we look to have a good relationship with someone. And as this world is kind of spinning out of control, and I'm being light there to say that, we're finding that there is less sense of peace in the hearts of people. And then when we talk about the church, the body of Christ, not just the outpost, but the body of Christ, internationally, nationally, in the state of California, here in San Francisco, there's a lack of real peace. We're unsettled. We're unsettled on beliefs. We're unsettled on, uh, on doctrine. We're unsettled on, on what God's promises are in my life. And I'm getting, I'm getting blown around by all these winds of this confusion and this turmoil in this world. And, and I just don't know what to grab a hold of. But let me tell you, if I don't preach anything more this morning, grab a hold of Jesus. Please don't grab a hold of me. Because we're all, we're all in the same boat together. And I try my best to stay in peace. But I'm going to tell you, there are times where I get a little confounded. I, I sit down with the Lord in prayer and I say, God, you know, you got to help me here because I'm falling apart. Is that all right to be honest? And I'm just telling you that we have to, we have to understand that he gave us a peace that for some reason... We have put on a bookshelf in a place so high and over to the right behind two other books, we can't find it. 
But it's in here. It's there. Vicki, it's there for us. It is. It's for us to have because he gave it to us as a gift. He's, he said this fragile piece that the world gives you, it's like rice paper is what he's saying. It, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to shatter at the first challenge. Or maybe not. Maybe you have a character that's strong. Now in this room today, there are people that have different types of characters. They say when people get sick, they say, well, I don't get that sick because I have a good constitution. But character is different than constitution. Each and every one of us have a character that comes to us through genealogy and through our generational past. I mean, somebody will say, you look just like uncle so-and-so. He was around 1886, and here's the picture, and you're his twin. And you go, oh, my goodness, wow. You do that. But there is a timeline in our life that we pick up things in our life that are there that help us understand who we are. We have a character, our own personal character. It can be a dishonest character or an honest character. It can be a character that is very at peace or a character that is, that is very uptight and uh, not, not bent right towards the word of God, but bent towards the things of the world. I don't want to go down the ice cream list of characters, but they are here in this room and they are out there in, the, in this city and they're in churches everywhere. As a matter of fact, in, in our political system, we have so many different characters, we don't even know who the right character is anymore. But do we know who God is? Can I get an amen this morning? Do we know who God is in our life? Do we know who Jesus Christ is in our life? And how important that he is in our life, not outside our life, directing us from the outside. But in us, directing us from the inside. He goes on to say, don't yield to fear or be troubled by your hearts. Instead, be courageous. You know, fear is a big enemy of our life. You get a phone call from a doctor. He tells you something. Instead of you going, oh, I got peace. God's going to take care of this. We get fearful. We lose our job, which is not a good thing to happen. It does happen. It happens all the time. It's happened for years. I'm not making light of it. It is, it is an intense situation. All of a sudden walk in. And if you're in the corporate world, have somebody there watching you clean out your desk and then having them walk with you all the way to the front door. That's embarrassing. It's unsettling. Things can happen in the world and the life that all of a sudden we find ourselves in fear grips. How am I going to take care of my family? Am I going to be able to get unemployment? What am I going to have to do to uh, pay the mortgage or pay the rent or pay the car payment or the slew of bills that are so high on my desk every week or month that it takes me time to get about to pay them about four hours? You know, you've seen movies on TV where you see the husband or the wife at the kitchen table trying to figure out the bills and somebody else comes in and said, hey, I just bought something and they're going... No! Fear hits. Because fear can cripple our walk with God if we're not careful. 
Fear bursts a very beautiful baby in the eyes of fear. It's called the baby of worry. That matures very quickly in our mind and gets to a place to where we begin to be so worrisome, we forget even who we are in God's kingdom. We begin to worship our worries and kneel to our fears. Instead of worshiping God and kneel before our God, who will be able to take care of everything that goes on in our life, even the things that you think is impossible, God can take care of it and make it possible. Mothers and grandmothers, if I can just take a moment longer here before I keep preaching on this. Mothers and grandmothers have prayed for their children for years on their knees in their prayer closets, praying for their children that are outside the church, outside the kingdom of God, that have fallen into drugs, fallen into alcohol, fallen into some heinous lifestyle, and they don't give up. They're not crippled by the fear. They're not crippled by the worry. They're on their knees praying for that individual that they would get delivered, they would get saved, and they would get back on the right path. And that right path is walking with Jesus Christ. Walking with Him. Talking with Him. Listening to Him. Pastor, how can I get there? Give your heart to the Lord today. Learn how to raise your hands when times get tough. Learn how to pray when times get tough. Learn how to praise when struggles come. You see, that's what God wants us to do. He never promised us that we would have a life of marshmallow sidewalks. You know, the other day I was walking out my back door of my home, just walking out the back door right outside, and I didn't know there was a, a five-foot, three-inch oak limb that had braced itself against the wood that I burn in the winter, and it was sticking right in my way. And the next thing I knew, I was up in the air flying. And I landed on my right knee, and I landed on my left Wrist, and I thought, this is more than an ouch. You see, these things come to our life to where you and I both have these trips. Could be financially, it could be employment wise, it could be relationally, but we have these trips, and it's it's not how we land, Nikki, it's how we get up. And instead of running and getting some Advil or uh, those other things that seem to take the pillow, uh, the pain away by the pill you take, we need to understand when we trip spiritually, we need to get up and say to God, I'm not leaving the throne of grace. I'm trusting you, God. There's a life that I'm leading and I have tripped, but I'm standing up and I'm going to lift my hands in praise because you're going to take me through this troubled time. This storm has a beginning and it's going to have an end. And through the storm, I am going to praise you. You know the story. They were on the boat out there in the middle Three, three, three and a half miles, scholars say, from one side and about two miles to the other side. The waves were so high. Things were going. 
<laughs> They're looking around, how are we going to get out of this? And they find Jesus asleep. Asleep. <clears throat> they wake him up. Lord, Lord, we are in trouble. The storms, the waves, they're overtaking us. He didn't say, oh my God, you're absolutely right. What are we going to do? Get the pails. Peter, you, you're the biggest here. Start doing something. I was asleep. Oh, give me some coffee first. He jumped up, looked around, and went, peace. And everything ceased. And they, in their own simple, unbelieving way, say, He is something special. He must be the Son of God. Look what just happened. He spoke to the wind and to the waves, and they ceased. Let me tell you something. There is a power in dwelling within you. Whether you are baptized in fire of the Holy Ghost or whether you are filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is there. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? He's there and you have a power to say to your problems, peace. Peace. And keep saying it till they go away. The Bible says if you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking, it shall be given unto you. You keep doing it. You keep asking, seeking, and knocking till till you get an answer. Some folks like to genuflect. They like to say something really quick to God. And then that's all it is. And they walk away. Somebody says, why don't you keep praying? And and you, you, you say to them, oh... I have faith. All I have to do is pray once. I know, you know, that's good to have that much faith. And let me tell you something. You know, when you start to have that much faith, you also start to have that kind of wrong faith, I call it. You start to have some, I'm not being rude here. You got to kind of get filled up with stupidity. I had this girl come to me one time. <clears throat> she was going through a harsh relationship, a difficult marriage. And she came in, she said, I went to see a pastor, and he said to me, just ask God once, that's all you have to do is ask him once and walk away and everything's going to be taken care of. I said, no, 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 no. He said, he authored a book. I said, no, 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 no. You can write a book about anything today, people will buy it if you put the name of Jesus somewhere in it. He said, keep asking, keep seeking. Keep knocking, and the door will be open for you. So in other words, don't bow to fear and don't carry the baby of worry till it matures and carries you around and begins to dictate to you that everything is going to go wrong. I tell you, when you walk with Jesus, everything is going to go right. You may hit a pitfall like I did coming out my back door. But let me tell you something. I got up, checked my knee, checked my wrist. I was okay. There was some pain, but I kept on praising God. Be courageous. 
Have courage. See, God gives peace. God gives peace. That's what he does for us. He gives us peace. I wish I could manufacture peace, but I can't. I wish I could find the ingredients of peace and put it in a bowl here on this earth and stir it around, make a little pie or a cake or a cookie, put it in the oven and pull it out and then say, everybody today, I brought peace. Well, let me, Diane, let me say this to you. Diane comes in every week, unless she's not here for a specific reason. It's always a good reason she's not here. She brings in something and on a plate and or on a, on a tray, and she says, everybody, I made peace last night. Does anybody want some peace? Now, in humanity's sake, let me say, when we see Diane come in, and she's got something, we know we want something, but this week, we decided we're not eating sugar anymore. How do we tell Diane that? Or we're on a fast. How do we tell Diane that? She's worked hard to get this here. She wants to bless us. But when somebody comes in like Diane would come in and offer a cookie that is peace. We wouldn't talk about fasting. We wouldn't talk about sugar. Matter of fact, we'd be taking three or four hoping no one saw it. Sticking it in our pockets and our coats. Giving some to our dog that may be not peaceful sometimes. You know, when you go to pet her, she's going to chill. You know, but it doesn't matter. Amen, right, Vicky? Give her a little peace cookie. She's fine. Peace takes care of everything. When God gets involved, he has given us his peace. Nothing's going to stir Jesus. Nothing's going to stir heaven. Because they see beyond the moment. And God wants us to be courageous to see beyond the moment. In Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Uh Uh-oh. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. You know, I'm praying about requests that I've been praying for for two or three years. They've not come yet. Sometimes what I'm praying for gets me a little unsettled. Gets me to a place where I don't don't feel like God's... And I want to say up to God, God, are you home? Can you hear me? Is, is, is my voice only the sound that I hear? And God up in heaven is the line so big in the throne room of grace that I'm so far in the back that you can't hear me? But I am quickly to repent of those kind of thoughts and statements because the Bible says that Jesus is forever interceding for me. He's forever interceding for you. He's always praying for us. pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Sometimes we go to God for our needs. I need a car. I need a house. I need a wife. I need a friend. I need a church. I need a new outfit. I mean, hey God, I need stuff. 
but we don't thank him for what he's already done. Let me tell you something. I like waking up every morning. I like to say, thank you, God, that I woke up. Now, I was not walking with God. I was not walking with God at all. I mean, at all. I knew who he was because I was raised in a faith that just poured that into me. So as a person that is not living for God, how much more as people that are living for God can say, thank you, God, for what you have done. You've given me extended days of my life. You see, God has given each and every one of us a destiny. And that destiny is not the fear, is not the worry, but to be courageous and to have Jesus' peace in your heart. Then you will experience God's peace when you do all that. Then you'll experience God's peace. So maybe in this formula found here in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, you're missing part of the formula. Now, I, I was in chemistry class in school. It was cool. It wasn't my favorite class, chemistry class. I didn't like, I can't wait to get the chemistry class, you know. But it was a class I was okay with. But I knew that if you didn't put in the right things at the right time, you weren't going to get the right results. The same thing with the Bible. Same thing with walking with God. You've got to take time and pray. You've got to thank him. You've got to have joy. You've got to remember that he's coming soon. And he's coming for a church that should be without wrinkle and without rust. A church that is praising and honoring him and glorifying him and, 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 and worshiping him at all times. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's what it's all about. This is a promise to us. Do you feel that peace today? Please embrace this message because this is important for the outpost. Because this is important for you and I. Because this is where we are at the outpost. And this is what I believe the Lord imprinted in my heart to preach the, on peace today. Because maybe there's somebody in this audience or somebody that's here that may not return. But they're here now. They're visiting today that needs to understand God says it's all right. It's going to be okay. Hang in there. He hasn't forgotten you have peace you know it's funny grace and peace are often used together in Paul's writings in his introduction of a letter or the doxology of the letter meaning the ending blessing of the letter he uses those words a lot grace unmerited favor and peace think about how they mix unmerited favor I don't deserve this and he says, he's speaking God's peace into my life. When I came into Christianity, I thought the Christians would be big on the peace thing. And they weren't. They were more kind of into, I go to the bigger church thing. My church has more money than your church thing. My church is in a better neighborhood than your church thing. My church has better doctrine than your church thing. My church, my church, my church, my church. I kept on wanting to hear... Peace. I wanted to have togetherness, love, joy. Are you understanding what I'm saying? We, we are the people that are supposed to show examples of peace. 
You know, people walk by us on the street here on 6th Street. And we're out there talking. Man, I can't believe this happened. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Oh, my goodness gracious. I got this letter. I got this trouble. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Oh, my goodness. I just don't know what's happening. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And people are walking by thinking, I wonder if they go to that church. Because if they go to that church, I'm not going to that church because they're sounding out there. They're complaining. And they're, they're saying things that I don't want to hear. I want to hear about God. I want to hear about love. I want to hear about God's peace. I want to hear about the joy of the Lord because that's our strength. I want to hear about Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of glory, who made it possible for us to have peace in our life. Let me just try to breeze through these four things. I don't know how breezy I'll be. Peace establishes, number one, confidence. When you have peace, you are confident. You're confident in your relation. You're confident in your plans. You're confident in everything that's going on in my job, my employment, peace in my marriage. There is peace. That's what confidence gives you. You're confident. You're a confident person. You're not an egoist. You're not a confident person like, look at me. You're confident, an inner confidence that everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. And God's going to bless and God's going to cause things to turn around. And second, you have courage. Courage. Praise God. Because, you know, we face things. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'll raise my hands. There are things that I have to face every once in a while that I need a lot of courage. You may be going through something right now where you need a lot of courage because sometimes things that you go through are even a life and death situation. You know, C.A. Spurgeon says, Christians don't fear dying, but oh, the crossing, oh, the crossing. You see, we know death is not an unknown. It's going to come, but it's the crossing from death to glory. We don't know what that's like. Paul says it's instantaneously, but we don't know what it's like. So we have to have courage when we go out to get a new job. We have to have peace in ourselves. We have to have courage when we go out to uh, meet a new friend. We have to have courage when we, when we go out to kind of sit down and share our heart with somebody else. We have to have courage. We have to have courage in the things that we do. Amen. Amen. We have to. As a pastor, I have to have courage to get up here and speak. I think that's important. You know, you can't have a sheepish pastor up here saying, I hope I don't offend you. I hope, are you all right? Oh, I'm sorry, Ken. I did, you're, you're not smiling. I'm, I'm so sorry. No, you're going to preach the gospel or teach the gospel, whatever your style is, but you're going to bring truth across a pulpit that we use and to speak from. And we use the word of God and we've got to be able to speak truth. And sometimes truth, you need courage when you're speaking truth. Thirdly, it brings consistency. Peace brings consistency to your life. 
And what the enemy of our soul loves to do is get us inconsistent. What our views are, what we believe in, how good we feel that day and one day, you know. I mean, don't ever get this reputation. Here that person comes. Yesterday they were great, but I have no idea what they're going to be like today. Have a consistency in your relationship with the Lord. Have that sense of consistency in your character, in your relationship with people. That They know when you're coming up, you're going to bring a smile. You're going to bring a joy. You may bring a prayer request, but you're always going to honor the Lord. Praise God. And then fourth, it brings connections. Peaceful people are good to hang out with. If you bring your storm to someone that's, that's really full of Jesus' peace, when you walk away, you're going to be feeling pretty peaceful. Because your storm is not going to shatter them. Jesus' peace is going to grab a hold of your storm and it's going to say, peace. So when that person walks away, you can count on it in your spirit, in your mind, that they're probably thinking, I am so glad I went and sat with them and talked with them. And I feel better about that. I feel good about that. Because Jesus is radiant in my life. Because he is my king. And there's nothing too big for him to handle. Everything's too big for me to handle, but there's nothing too big for him to handle. I may be something small, but he is big. Amen. I would rather serve in a little church and serve a big God than serve in a big church and serve a little God. You see what I'm saying? It's important that we understand that this peace thing, this part of the, excuse this terminology, this part of the kingdom puzzle is missing in a lot of people's lives. Oh, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I got all the checklists of no matter what movement I belong to, I got all their checklists down, I'm feeling pretty good, but the peace part is missing. Because The storms have come. The struggles have come. Life has embraced me in such a way that I just don't know how to handle it. And I'm shattered and I don't know what to do. I go to pray and God doesn't seem to respond. I am shaken to the very inner parts of my being. What can I do about this? And the answer is not go out and to get hot. I don't mean to shatter you there. I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to be insulting. I'm telling you it does not mean to go out and get high. What it means is to go out and get on your knees. And begin to praise him and thank him for life and the air that you're breathing. And the goodness and mercy that he has given you. And by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You are redeemed. We are redeemed. Praise God. Our sins are forgiven. We're part of the family. Romans 14 and 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You see, it gives it a definition. The kingdom of God is a life of, of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you read that chapter in Romans 14, they're arguing about who eats what and what I should eat. 
to tell you the truth, you know, he, he ends up saying, just eat what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're eating if you don't want to offend your brother. But remember that you're, gonna, you're in the kingdom of God and you're going to live a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Stop worrying about food. You go to somebody's house. You know, Diane, somebody comes to your house for dinner and you make this, you know, phenomenal turkey made out of chocolate chip cookies. And you make, you, make, you know, you, you have this beautiful dressing, you know, uh, made out of butterscotch and, and whipped cream. And, you know, you go over there and somebody just sits down and goes, oh, I'm sorry. I don't eat that kind of food. Well, what happens here? Let's be real about it. That person feels pretty bold. Feel committed. I feel like I'm I'm walking along my righteous path, and and I'm I'm saying this first word only to describe the story. Poor Diane goes into the kitchen, closes the door or slides the door shut, and the next thing you hear from the kitchen is, "Oh no!" <laughs> you you've offended your sister. And God doesn't want you to offend anybody. Amen. It doesn't matter what you food you eat or drink. Just remember you need to be living in the kingdom of God. That's the place you need to be living in. Not in a kingdom of offense. Not in the kingdom of serve me by the way I eat. Next person knocks at the door and says, Hello, Diane. Gives the same description. He goes, You know what? I gave up that the other day. Now I'm all I want is a turkey made of pastrami. And and I want the dressing to be made of a salmon that just was caught fresh. And I want the potatoes made out of a white fish. And oh, thank you, but I know you mean well, but I'm going down the street to find something better. See, what you do is you grab a hold of that turkey and you say, I love chocolate chips. (laughs) You take a big bite of that uh, dressing and say, man, I love butterscotch. It's my favorite. You don't ever offend because when you begin to offend, you move outside the kingdom of God. You see, that's what's going on here. We don't want to move outside the kingdom of God. We want to live in the kingdom of God and have those three goodness, peace, and joy. Are you with me? I'm closing it down now. Romans 14, 10 through 12. So why do you judge your brother or why do you despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written... The reason I brought this in is these next verses. I wanted to have the verses beforehand so you could see. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let me sit down on that. That's a knockdown sit down for me. Every knee. Everybody that's walking down, driving down. Crawling down, taking a sleep on, six straight. We'll have to stand before the king one day. You didn't hear me. 
have to stand before the king one day to give an account of their life of himself. Don't you dare go up to heaven and stand before heaven and say, well, pastor said this and pastor said that. I'll get my turn in line. He's going to ask you what you said, what you believe and how important it is that you live for him. In other words, the radiance that you show. That's a strong word, radiance. The radiance that you show when you're outside the the church house, the church building. The who you are outside the building. And you say, I never acted like that. And there you are acting like that. And all of glory gets to see it. You see, God wants us to be good and fair and full of peace. Matthew 5 and 9. I love this. This was written in the message. Eugene Peterson's rendition of the Bible called The Message. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Let me read that again. I want that to soak in. I want you to read it, please. Matthew 5 and 9 out of Eugene Peterson's rendition of the Bible called The Message. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Think about that. And lastly, just the graphic of Matthew 5 and 9. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. The children of God. I just sense there's a peace in this building right now. I just sense something just fall in this place. Peace. And what I'd like to do today is ask you to invite peace into your heart.